Welcome to 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. In this special five-part series, we take a look at the book recently released by General Stanley McChrystal, Jeff Eggers, and Jason Mangone, entitled Leaders, Myths, and Reality. But first, a word from our sponsor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? With the expansion of the Compliance Podcast Network, I am looking for a new podcast. If you've wondered how to get going on a podcast, a word from our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this special podcast series, Richard Lummis and I take a look at leadership styles from General McChrystal's book. They include the founders, Walt Disney and Coco Chanel, the geniuses, Albert Einstein and Leonard Bernstein, the heroes, Jean He and Harriet Tubman, the power brokers, Boss Tweed and Margaret Thatcher, and the reformers, Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. In this fifth and final episode, we take a look at the reformers, Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another episode of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast about leadership. This is Richard Lummis. I'm here with Tom Fox for another discussion on how to improve our leadership skills. We believe leadership is a skill which can be improved with study of both good and bad practices, and we try to draw interesting examples from many sources, including history, fiction, film, and business writing. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Today, we're continuing our discussion of Stanley McChrystal's book, uh, Leaders, and we're going to discuss the chapter called The Reformers. In this chapter, he picked Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. as examples of leaders who led reformations. Um, Obviously, in the case of Martin Luther, I think less obviously in the case of Martin Luther King. But it was interesting that... What struck me, I guess, is that neither of these people really set out to become great reformers. It was sort of thrust on them, and then they accepted the mantle when it was when it was offered to them. Uh, absolutely co- correct, Richard. Uh, one of the thing about reformers uh, that makes them a leader is they agree to shoulder these burdens when they're asked to do so, or when it's thrust upon them. Uh, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr., um, he was from Atlanta but was a minister in Birmingham. And um, in, it's, it's never been completely clear, but he may have been asked to lead the boycott really because he was not from Birmingham. And uh, there were no sort of uh, interseen fights to see who was going to be the leader of the Birmingham group that led the bus boycott. They had you know, this outsider from Atlanta. It was a candidate that they could all agree on. Uh, Martin Luther... Uh, as a uh, being asked to shoulder that burden, I don't think he was asked to shoulder the burden. Uh, certainly before uh, whether he put the ninety-five thesis on the door or started a dialogue within the Catholic Church about reform. Uh, <clears throat> but once uh, that reform reached a critical mass, and it turned out that not only were these discussions going on, they were going on in a wider, wider variety of places, and they were going on with implications 
that were both foreseen and unforeseen. At that point, I thought he did accept the mantle of uh, leadership. The um, one of the themes that I've uh, that we've articulated in this podcast series, and for me, ran throughout the my crystal book was uh, once again uh, there was no magic to this. This um, it may not have been the part of a lengthy process as we saw with uh, Walt Disney or um, uh, uh, the genius process that we saw with uh, Einstein and Bernstein, um, but the there was a framework around how they became leaders. And with Martin Luther King, there was a framework initially in Birmingham of Birmingham African-American ministers and a a black church and the black churches uh, who had banded together uh, in Birmingham. Later, they became the framework of the Southern um, um, SCLC, uh, Southern Baptist Leadership Conference. and then, uh, of course, there was the strategy of an overall civil rights movement. Well, I find that interesting. You referred to that as reformation. Well done. The, um, so there was a strategy that he was working within. Uh, I, I'm not sure I saw initially a strategy that Martin Luther was working within, uh, but uh, the, the, once there was, he, he, he was thrown out of the uh, Catholic Church, excommunicated, uh, and a death, uh, death warrant put on his head. I think at that point he was committed to um, going his own way and creating something different, even if he didn't have a vision of what that different was. Um, King's leadership was really built on uh, action, uh, whereas Luther's leadership was really more built on commentary and leading through uh, the written word. But that really brought me or brings me to what I thought was one of the most interesting points that McChrystal used with both of these, which was they used new technologies. Mm-hmm. And whereas I, I, I was more familiar with Luther's use of the new technology of printing uh, in 1519, uh, I believe, was when he uh, tacked the 95 Thesis up. But he could communicate with the written word in a printed word. Uh, and that was revolutionary technology. Uh, and also in the vernacular. In, in the vernacular of the German language, exactly. Um, King used television. Uh, he used uh, marches, certainly, uh, but uh, <clears throat> the uh, more ubiquitous uh, use of televisions, televisions in the home by the 60s, I would say probably 80% of Americans had some form of television accessible to them, if not into their homes. Uh, and it, although it's not referenced in this book, um, in Taylor Branch's Parting of the Waters, um, it's still a scene that sticks with me, and it's the uh, the end of the initial march out of Selma at the Edmund Pettus Bridge when the marchers were attacked, and they were attacked with water cannons, and they were attacked with dogs. And that happened on a Sunday afternoon, and it happened on a Sunday afternoon when ABC had the, uh, the prime slot for Sunday night back then, on the movie of the week. And the movie of the week they were playing was Judgment in Nuremberg. And they broke in to that movie to show those scenes. And he said that that had a visceral effect on Americans watching a movie about Nazis and then seeing dogs attack marchers. Yeah. And, um, but that's a sort of power. I don't know if TV still has that power. Maybe other social media forms have that power today. 
but certainly in the 60s, that was a new power. And both of these leaders embraced these new technologies. And it made me uh, really think about, uh, we read about leaders, uh, unfortunately, our political leaders who don't seem to know the difference between Facebook and Apple. Um, but uh, business leaders who profess, well, I don't use my computer. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you may be not using your computer so you don't create an audit trail, but if you're not embracing technology, there's going to be companies out there that are embracing technology and that will beat you uh, by their embrace of technologies. So that I think um, uh, a part of leadership, I, I now think, could be this embrace of new technologies for your uh, movement forward. And really the last thing I would uh, note from the King, Martin Luther King section, Martin Luther King Jr., was his I Have a Dream speech. And it's not completely clear from uh, the text of the book, but it appears the part near the end of his speech where he said the, the famous part, I Have a Dream, that that was ad-libbed. And that that was ad-libbed because he actually did have a dream where that happened. And he told that dream to Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia Jackson was two speakers ahead of him in uh, the lineup for that day in uh, Washington on the uh, People's March to Washington. And uh, near the middle of his speech, he yelled out, tell them about the dream. And uh, the book notes, it was not clear if King heard what she said, but within 15 seconds, he proceeded to give his famous lines. And for the last five minutes, of the speech, it was the uh, I have a dream part. Um, and really the, op- the observation I would have there is um, sometimes great leaders seize the moment. And they may do it in a way that's <clears throat> gone a different direction. Um, but as a business leader, uh, if you see or sense that sort of opportunity, you can go off script. Uh, I recognize that there are people today in politics that when they go off script maybe doesn't do as well, but uh, uh, a leader uh, who has those skills can do that. So I thought that uh, that really uh, obviously made a big impact on me. But I, I suppose really as, as much as their own personalities, it was their embrace and use of technologies to move their their movements forward. The other thing, of course, that, that's strikes one about these people is the importance of faith and in in their case it was religious faith Um, there are other kinds of faith that can drive people in a business context but and also the incredibly high personal price they paid Um, yes in in King's case of course with his life and then uh, with Luther living under death threats for years the other thing I thought that was interesting was the way that they both were very skillful at navigating turbulent political waters um, to their own benefit. Absolutely. Um, And then they were in a time of great change, but they helped steer it and shepherd it. Uh, And that really, that that last point uh, I'd like to maybe use as as an entree or on-ramp to uh, our thoughts on on the book in general. Because um, that last point you raised, which is they navigated extraordinarily difficult political situations at the time, really um, McChrystal emphasized that um, there are no straight lines in leadership. It's it's always uh, cognitive dissonance. There's always a push and pull uh, tug. There's always a quarterly uh, report you have to make, a quarterly number. Uh, there's going to be boards of directors, there's going to be customers, there's going to be employees, there's going to be other stakeholders, and you're always going to have to navigate 
And now you may lay over an international trade war uh, that two years ago you never thought of as part of your risk portfolio. So uh, you're going to have to navigate that, and that really is one of the skills of a leader. Uh, You're not always going to be successful, uh, but if you can do it in a way that you retain your credibility with the stakeholders who are supporting you, they will continue to support you uh, going forward. Um, And that seemed to me to be one of the themes that... uh, not only in this chapter, but uh, running throughout the book, and I thought he summed that up uh, as well. Yeah. And I guess the other thing was they both had a compelling vision of a better world. Um, so did you have any uh, other general thoughts on the book? That uh... I really enjoyed the book. Um, they, I thought they picked very interesting people. Um, I thought they did a great job of pointing out some of the ambiguities and just making it kind of fun. Uh, The other thing was um, sometimes when you sit down to to investigate a matter or do a report, uh, you have an idea that uh, you will develop a thesis and there will be an answer at the end. Uh, Sometimes the answer is there is no answer. And you may explore something. And I almost thought that was the conclusion that they came to They started uh, on a chapter we did not discuss, which was Robert E. Lee. Mm -hmm. And um, McChrystal had idolized Lee really through most of his adult uh, life and probably as a teenager as well. And as a Southerner, I certainly understand that. Um, But he started off by uh, reappraising Lee. And he reappraised him, of course, in the light of 2018, or I suppose the book was written in 2017. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that approach. Nevertheless... McChrystal thought it important for himself to put those thoughts, reasons, and articulate that on paper. I'm not sure he reached a firm conclusion at the end of that first chapter, but that's okay. Yeah. And that, uh, that was the other thing that sort of ran throughout the book for me. He left us with questions. I'm not sure he intended to leave us with questions, uh, but by the end of the book, when the three authors summed it up, they did leave us with questions. It was They did intend not to start with a checklist. I do agree with that. But <clears throat> and their conclusions at the end were, we have some general ideas, perhaps some general guidelines, uh, maybe some lessons uh, that you may be able to apply, but it's going to be up to you to do that. And we cannot, nor can this book, tell you what to do. Um, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. And I'm not sure they started off uh, to have that conclusion, yeah. but they certainly came to that at the end. At least that was my reading. Well, the other thing I got out of it is a tolerance for ambiguity and imperfect information seemed to be key aspects of leadership. Absolutely. Well, it was a fun read. Uh, I'm glad uh, I read it. I'm glad you read it. I'm glad we got to explore this on a, on a multi-part podcast series. Yeah. For signing off for now, this is Richard Lummis and Tom Fox with 12 O'Clock Hot. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this five-part series on leadership based upon Stanley McChrystal's latest book, Leaders, Myths, and Reality. We have linked to it in the show notes. I would heartily recommend that you purchase a copy. It's a great read. It's great history, and it gives you great tips on leaderships. We've really only scratched the surface here and given our interpretations. I also hope that you will join us for a new season of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. We're together with Richard Lummis. We're going to take a look at a wide variety of leadership styles, techniques, and strategies, including our fan favorite Oscar month next month, where we take a look at 
best pictures and leadership styles based upon those movies. We continue our presidential leadership series uh, to take a look at leadership lessons from U.S. presidents. And of course, continuing our review of current events, literature, and sports going forward. It'll be a great 2019. I hope you will join us. The Compliance Podcast Network will have several new podcasts up for you, and I hope you will continue to enjoy those as well. This is Tom Fox. 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.